Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palme. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 36 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210, or you can email them at info at barrycullen.com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is on weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta, the home of Southern Talk and Sports. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, on this, what is it, Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023, hard to believe. I have my guest on today. His name is... Jim Barker, he is currently the CFL and TSN in-studio analyst. He's also a five-time Grey Cup champion, 1997, 2002, 2008, 2012, and 2022 with the Toronto Argonauts. And he's also a former head coach, GM, vice president, senior advisor. He's pretty well uh, done everything in the game of football. So I'm really looking forward to having Jim Barker on today. Good afternoon, Jim. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. Doing great. How are you? Doing good, and uh, this is the best time of the year for me with all these sports going on, the CFLs halfway through their season, and the NFL starting up as well. And college football kicks off in four days, so it just it's it's everywhere. This is the best time of the year. Yes, and I will be at the uh, Guelph Griffins home opener here in Guelph on Saturday, uh, working in the camera as well. So I'm looking forward to the I'm looking forward to the 2023 Griffin season as well here. Yeah, they they hopefully they'll have get things a little together this year, and I know they had a rough year last year, and uh, hope for nothing for the best for the Griffs. First thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jim, what are your thoughts on the uh, twenty twenty three uh, CFL season so far as a whole? Well, it, it's been an interesting start to the season. I guess we're almost have we're halfway through for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, it's it's been there's basically tiers of teams. You have, you know, the Argonauts, the Bombers, and the BC Lions kind of in one tier, and then you have Montreal and Saskatchewan kind of in the next tier, and then you have, uh, you know, the rest of the teams, Calgary and Ottawa and uh, Hamilton and Edmonton, battling in that last tier to get into the, you know, to get into the playoffs. So. Um, it's been a very interesting games have been any team can beat any team. I think we saw that. Um, I don't think anybody gave, uh, Saskatchewan much of a chance at home. They were 11 point underdogs going in and they won the game fairly convincingly and physically took it to the BC lions. So it was, uh, an impressive game for Saskatchewan. Uh, but we've had that kind of thing all year. We had Ottawa, Montreal the night before, 
go right down to the wire. And Ottawa, I just didn't see any way they lose that game. But yet, in the end, they come out and they lose in the end. And uh, and Montreal comes back to beat them and maintain second uh, stronghold on second place uh, in the East. And uh, basically, Montreal holds the tiebreaker on them also. So it makes it even tougher for Ottawa because they've now lost tiebreakers to both Hamilton and Ottawa. Uh, so, you know, it's been a fantastic, and then Edmonton got their first win, which was not a, you know, we, we just didn't know when it would happen, knew it would happen. And the young Canadian quarterback played fantastic. That's, you know, um, Trey Ford is, uh, uh, got a little bit of action last year, but he, he looks to be a guy who, who could be a, a CFL type of quarterback. He's got a strong arm. He hasn't been the most accurate, but that'll get better. Uh, and he's got extremely great quickness in the pocket and and seems like a natural feel in the pocket. Uh, and he's very difficult in the open field for people to tackle one-on-one. So, uh, you know, hopefully that bodes well for the uh, for the Elks as they get, go, get ready for their first home win, they're hoping, this week. As, you know, Ottawa comes into town. And Ottawa's three and seven. I mean, this is a great opportunity for the Elks to get this monkey of 20, what, 23 straight, I think, Chris, um, home losses uh, in a row, which is pretty tough. It goes back to 2019. So hopefully they get that, that monkey off their back and they can just focus on games from here on out. And, you know, their next games, they've got Ottawa uh, this week. And then they got two in the Labor Day matchup with Calgary, who is, again, a very, you know, having a down year. And, uh, you know, you just never know. Within a matter of three weeks, Edmonton could be right in the thick of the playoff hunt. Absolutely. What are your thoughts of, of uh, the change with Victor? And they brought in a new gentleman at intern, Rick. Uh, thoughts on those guys, uh, Rick, taking over for Victor. And also, what are your thoughts on Chris Jones and that coaching staff? And do you th- feel long-term they can turn around this franchise? Well, I said on the air that Edmonton needed to go with an experienced guy. And, uh, you know, I just felt like they needed someone who understood the league, for this interim position right now because they're, they're struggling. And Rick Lawlisher is one of the best presidents in his league. He was with Edmonton for a number of years. Then he moved and went to BC as they've gone through their transition into becoming a, you know, I mean, they're drawing great fan uh, fan crowds to their, their home games. So Rick is Rick knows what he's doing. He knows the league. He knows the people in the league you have to talk to to get things done. Uh, Victor Quee came in, did a good job. I mean, Victor Quee did everything he could do in his knowledge, given his knowledge of Edmonton and sports, uh, that he could do. But when you don't understand the inner workings of the CFL, it's a very difficult job because the CFL, you know, is, is just different than other leagues. It's what makes it such a beautiful thing, why I love the CFL because it is, it's just unique in its ways. And if you don't understand the way things operate, it can be very difficult uh, to run a club. Wanted to ask you this as well, Jim. What's your thoughts on uh, one one guy doing both jobs uh, nowadays? Well, I think, it's, 
I think it's really a difficult thing. I've been a head coach GM. Mm-hmm. I did it for one year. I, I actually went in as the head coach GM, but Adam Rita was still in Toronto and I didn't want to fire him for kiss. So we just kept him there as the GM. Um, and then the second year I became the head coach GM. And it's just, again, I, I learned GM differently than the guys who were like Chris. Chris has worked with me shoot three different times. And I'm the first one that gave him an assistant. Uh, like an, I call, I think we called him an assistant GM. Um, but he never was a GM GM in terms of, uh, I took five years in Calgary where I didn't coach. All I did was learn the whole scouting game and how you deal with, you know, the NFL, the colleges, both down south and north of the border and how you build teams. And actually the guy I was with, Ted Hellard, who was one of our owners in Calgary when I was learning that job, is the guy who wrote the current salary cap. He was the one behind it. And so I, I learned a lot about dealing with those things. You know, today you look at, you got Chris Jones struggling. You got Orlando Steinauer struggling. You got uh, Dave Dickinson struggling. There's three guys that are doing both jobs. And I think they, you know, they're, it changes the complete dynamic of your football team when you're the head coach and GM. And it's why I stepped down. Um, when you're a head coach in there talking to your players, and it, it's and which I was in 2010 when I first came back to Toronto, and I won the CFL Coach of the Year, and players respond to you differently. As soon as I became the head coach GM officially, things change. And they the players, everything you do is amplified. And um, players, it, it's just they're, they're not as open. They're, things are different when you're, when you're in that position. It's hard to describe. It's why I stepped down and hired Scott Milanovic, because I felt it was the best thing for the organization. Well, guys are stepping in now and becoming, you know, head coach GM and, you know, in Orlando Steinauer's case, he's not the GM, he's the president. And, you know, again, uh, is, is that the right thing to do? I, I just don't think it's working right now for people. Um, I think the natural, um, I'm going to use the word friction, but the natural things that happen between a personnel office and a coaching staff need to happen. Because coaches see players one way. They really do. And I was a coach most all my life. But I then became a personnel guy. And I learned that when you sit at the personnel table at lunch, the vernacular and the words they use, totally different than what the coaches use. When the coaches are talking about a player, you know, they don't use the same kind of words that scouts do. And I think one of the things that happens are that Coaches don't really understand scouts and scouts don't really understand coaches. And there's a natural friction that happens. Well, some of that is really healthy. And I think you need, I think you need to be able to have lively debate and arguments without guys getting feelings hurt and that kind of thing. I I don't think you can be successful without that. So I think teams that that choose to go the route. Well, like well, you, you mentioned Chris Jones in Edmonton and Chris is everything. He's the head coach. He's the general manager. He's the director of football operations. He's everything. And 
it's just very difficult to be the best you can be at everything when you're trying to do one thing great. And that, that was why I stepped down. I didn't think I could be great doing two things. And I made the decision after my first year doing both and said, I, this is not right. And I hired Scott Milanovic as our head coach. I focus on being the general manager and we won the Grey Cup that year. Uh, I just think it's, it, it, to, to be done right, there's a certain amount of that, that, that friction that has to happen. There's a certain amount of different types of eyes looking at players and the coaches bending a bit in what they might think and the, and the scouts bending a bit in what they might think. I always tell scouts, you need to go sit at the coach's table some because they're not going to use the same kind of talk you talk about you know, when you talk a guy about a guy's vertical sets and things, and they don't talk that way. Um, they don't talk about, you know, a lot about 40 times and about things that, that scouts talk about. So I say, go sit at the coach's table and learn what they talk about. And I tell coaches the same thing. Sit at the scouts table and listen to what they talk about. Listen to how they talk about players. And there's positives and negatives with both. But I think you need both to get the best possible organization you can get. Um, again, I think you look at the at the top teams in the league right now um, with Winnipeg, and you know they have Michael Shea, who is strictly the head coach, doesn't want to do anything else, and Kyle Walters, who is the general manager, and then you got Ted Gavaya and Dan, Danny McManus, who are out scouting players. And in Toronto, you know, you have Ryan Dinwiddie is the head coach, and then Michael Clemens is the general manager. And then you have Alex Russell and Vince um, Vince Magri. There are uh, John Murphy there now that, that are out scouting players and bringing players in. So, again, I think that when you look at the teams that are having the most success, the BC Lions, you got Rick Campbell, who is a part general manager, but he's Neil McAvoy is there. And Neil McAvoy can take on that bad guy that the GM sometimes has to be, that the head coach needs to stay away from. That Chris Jones, Dave Dickinson, those guys can't do that. They can't have that bad guy GM because there isn't one there. So that's kind of in a nutshell my thought on the whole head coach GM thing. I think it's um, – when I first got hired in Toronto, Dale Lastman, who is very high up in MLSE, and he said the big thing with the Leafs, the Raptors, all teams, is the, the friction between coaching and personnel. And with coaches, it's always we just don't have good enough players. And with personnel, it's all we've got good enough players. We just don't coach them well. And so, you know, he said that is the number one thing in sports that creates – issues for organizations in his in his mind so again i think a lot of that is healthy and finding the right blend is where it's at also too jim i wanted to ask you this as well um just doing one role is is, is a lot but doing two roles and then your family life on top of that how difficult was that being able to uh, juggle your family life with being a coach and the gm at the same time as well well i'm a big believer that Again, I, there's a whole thing now about work-life balance. And when I, was come, when I first came into this business, 
there was no such thing as work-life balance. It was work and then you had your family. And I honestly believe to achieve great things in life, you have to sacrifice. If you don't sacrifice something, it's hard to ever achieve at the highest level. And I mean, I, I look back now and I've sacrificed being a great husband and being a great father. And, uh, you know, I have great relationships with my kids. Um, you know, I ended up divorced. Um, and again, it, it was just, it's been, a, it's difficult doing it all. And while work-life balance, I think is a great thing. And um, I ha I wasn't able to find that. So um, coaching when I came in was you're there at four in the morning and you're there till you get it done. And it may be seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And uh, that was just the way you did it. You outworked everybody. You felt like more hours was outworking. I worked for a guy in San Francisco, Vic Rowan, who... When I was there, Mike Holmgren was also there. And then Mike uh, Mike and I left and Andy Reid came in. He and Dirk Cutter replaced us, two guys that became NFL head coaches. Um, so that was kind of how you were just how, how you were just taught that if you want to be in coaching, this is the way it is. And um, again, for me, I'm trying to understand the work-life balance thing. I know Orlando Steinauer is very big on work-life balance and um, making sure that you take your time to, to do keep that part of your life, that you don't become just totally ingrained. I, honestly, Chris, for me, that was, it's just, that that's hard to do. I'm all in and in one thing, it's hard to be, um, you know, uh, multiple enough to be a great husband, to be a, you know, I'm single now, so I can say that, to be a great husband, to be a great analyst, even to be great at anything. I, I haven't found the magic, the magic elixir that can allow me to do that. So again, I, I, everything I do, I go in full go and, uh, and it, it's, it's difficult for me. So I'm probably not the right guy to talk to about work-life balance because I do believe it's important and when you can figure it out then that's a great thing I haven't I'm gonna be 67 here soon and uh, I, I just haven't found figured it out yet you still got the coaching bug in you or are you kind of content right now doing what you're doing with the CFL and TSN and I think you guys are all doing a great job on there by the way oh thank thank you for that Chris well, I know that that everybody on there works very, very hard. The producers, the the director, the whole thing is is you would be shocked at the amount of work that goes into it. But I appreciate the uh, um, the applause uh, on it. Um, in terms of in terms of the whether I want to go back to coaching, you know, I don't think co I like running a team. Um, I don't know that I want to coach again. I might coach in a, if I could coach in a league where I could coach for three or four months, that might be a fun thing. Uh, I don't think I want to, I want to coach in the CFL again. It's, it's, uh, it's a grind for a, it's, it's just a grind. I'm just not sure that's what I want to do. I really do love the stuff I'm doing for TSN now. I really feel, um, over the years with all the different jobs I've had, 
I, I've developed a connection with fans and I find it important that I give a perspective that's maybe different than a former player. And we have a lot of former players, you know, um, there's some former coaches up there, Lapo's a um, former coach and Matt Dunnigan's former coach. But um, I give a little different perspective because of my general manager. You know, I'm the only one who was also a general manager for a number of years. So I can give a perspective that maybe is just a little different. And for me, the CFL is all about the fans. And this is my opportunity to give back to the CFL um, what I've been so lucky to get here. It's It's been a, a labor of love. I don't feel like I've ever worked a day in my life. Um, I moved here from California and, uh, you know, I'm now a Canadian citizen and awesome. Uh, just, I, I just, I love it up here and I, I love the people of Canada and I love CFL fans. And even here in Toronto, there's a, there's a CFL fan base that love Canadian football. And I just think that we need to send our message out that this is the greatest three down football in the world. And I know you're on an Atlanta station, people in Atlanta who get a chance to learn the three down game, a totally different than the NFL game. We have, there's a lot of guys in the NFL that can't play in our league. They just can't. They're just because of the field and the rules and the, it's a different game. It's like saying, you know, six person volleyball indoors and beach volleyball is the same thing. It's, it's totally different. It's beach volleyballs played with two. We play with extra players on a wire field and it's just such a great game. My kids grew up with American. I spent 20 years at, at every level of the NCAA in the States. And uh, so they grew up, that was when they were first born, that was what they, they knew was American football. And when they came up here, they they just loved the CFL. They, they loved the, the game and, and the way that people treat the game. And I, I know when they were little kids, they remember, you know, going when I was at, in Toronto back in 97, uh, when, when we had Flutie, we had good teams. And the Ticats hated us. And we go to Ivor Wynn Stadium. And they'd say, Dad, those fans, they just, they care so much. And, you know, I got hit with a battery one night. They thought it was hilarious. They thought that, you know, that's, they just love their team. So, you know, it's, that's the way Canada is. And any, all you have to do is go to a Grey Cup. And I would encourage anybody who doesn't know much about the CFL, but you want to learn about it, go to a Grey Cup festival. Just get there on Thursday and go attend the, the different things that go on. And you will see the difference between the CFL and the NFL. Because you go to a Grey Cup festival, that's all about a celebration of Canadian football. It's not one team. Everybody wears their stuff for that's their true. team. But you see BC Lion fans, Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans, Calgary Stampeder fans, Argo fans, all in the same room, dancing and drinking and having a great time celebrating what is the Canadian Football League. When you go to an NFL thing, it's all it's very different. corporate. It's all very, uh, it's not about fans at all. It's about everything else that brings money. And that is the beautiful thing to me about the CFL is this is, it's, it's, it's older than the NFL, 
it's a different game and it's much, much more exciting. It's like I say, we're not trying to compete and say we're four down football or compete with, with the NFL. They're the greatest four down football in the world. We're the greatest three down football in the world. And I, I would love to see Randy Ambrosi and some of the things he's doing with global go, go to Australia and go to Europe and teach three down football. Get somebody, some other countries playing three down football. It's much more conducive to their stadiums because you play on soccer fields. Our field is 65 yards wide, exactly the same as a soccer field. An American football field is 53 and a third yards. So there's a 12 yard difference in terms of width. Lengthwise, ours is 100, 110 yards, same as a soccer field. So we're much more rooted in soccer and and rugby and things like in Australia, we have a lot of kickers coming from there. Well, they were all rugby players and, and um, you know, that type of thing. We should be playing CFL Canadian rules football in those places and try to grow our game internationally that way and, and identify what we are, the greatest three down league in the world. Absolutely. Hey, Jim, I was born in the 70s and I became a CFL Argonaut fan in 1979, thanks to my late dad. And I always loved the CFL, but I also loved the NFL. And I don't know why people can't just enjoy both leagues for what it is. There's just this saying with the younger generation, it has to be the NFL. And it's like, you can like both leagues. And uh, I, 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 love the, I love the differences in both games, but I, I always promote the CFL especially on my radio station. It's the same station that Rod Peterson's on. And uh, I've had Rod on my show a couple times too. And he's a great guy to speak to. And your league, the CFL has given me media opportunities. I, I just started this new career of mine at 47 and the Canadian football league has been one of the leagues that has let me cover the, uh, the league and the Toronto Argonauts, especially. And uh, I just, I, 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 I'm just, trying to be a, I'm like an underdog. I'm like, I'm sort of like an undrafted player uh, trying to switch careers at 51. And uh, I'm just so grateful to the uh, Argonauts specifically, Chris Belinovich and Mike Hogan. And, and this league's taking me on and uh, yeah, I'll let you talk. Well, I think you're absolutely right. There's no, the NFL is a great game and, and it is a totally different thing than what the CFL is. There's great athletes in the NFL. But you know what? There's great athletes in the CFL. I think, for example, people in Toronto right now, Chad Kelly, we had Doug Flutie playing here, who is one of the great athletes of all time. And I know there's people my age who kick themselves that they didn't go watch more of Doug Flutie when he was playing for the Argonauts. But we have a there's a young guy playing here now, Chad Kelly, who is He's just on a he 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 sees the game differently than a lot of the quarterbacks that we get here. He's he's in his first year of truly playing, and at the halfway point, he's a leading candidate to be the MOP. Well, when you get a player of that caliber and you have a chance to go down, for example, you can go to the CNE and get a get in free to the CNE and go watch a game and see one of the great young talents, I think, on either side of the border. I think he's a quarterback who, if he chooses to, now he's you know he's 29 years old. If he wanted to go to the NFL, he could. Um, if he wants to stay here, I think he can he can do great things here. So, but but the opportunity to see him playing in this his 
kind of his launch year, I think is a great thing that fans deserve to see and don't realize what's right here in front of them. In terms, Jim, you were with the team last year, the senior advisor. What have you seen differently from Chad this year than you did last year in terms of development into a star quarterback in the CFL? Well, he's getting to play this year. Last year, I saw it all year long. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson stayed healthy and took us to a Grey Cup game. And and there aren't many people. You could probably count on one hand the number of people – of quarterbacks in the world, I'm talking about in the NFL, that you could put into a great cup game, their first meaningful snaps in a in a league that plays three down football, behind in the fourth quarter in that game, and he can bring them from behind to win the great cup. Again, it's just, it's a rarity that is all often overlooked that people need to understand. That is rare what that guy did. Now, all year long, I saw what kind of talent he has in practice every day. And, um, you know, McLeod was our was our quarterback, and he deserved to be the quarterback doing those things. And like I say, he took us to the Grey Cup, and we won. Um, they're a much better team this year. Um, basically, I think Chad gives the offense a lot more because of his ability to move and run. I think it helps – Ulet has been a, much more effective as a runner because of what Chad can do running the ball. He's able to stretch the field. He's He just does things that other people don't do. And now, again, their offensive line is solidified and is, uh, you know, it, it, I think people don't understand how good they are. Um, I think they've given up 10 sacks this year. Last year, Last year, it was basically they had some injuries. We had some injuries and things. And I think the way that team is constructed, where they have three American tackles. So if one's out, the other ones move in. And, and it's Cage and uh, Trevon Tate and, uh, and DeJon Allen. So as long as two of those guys are healthy, they, they don't have to mess with their tackles, which in this league is vital. And then they've been, they got Ryan, we got Ryan Hunter from about halfway through the year when the NFL made their final cuts and he stepped right in and he's a, he's a dominant player. He could move out to tackle if he wanted, but he's playing, he plays inside and their, their offensive line is just outstanding. So they're able to do a lot of things. So again, I saw a lot of it in Chad Kelly when he first came here. Um, I felt he was, he was the best just overall that I'd seen since, since I came into the league, you know, obviously I had Doug. Wow. Um, So since Doug, he's, uh, he just has a natural way of seeing the field. He, he's going to make throws that, that other people would, will throw. I mean, there was one that last game, the touchdown to Debaris Daniels. Yes. Was a corner route with a flat curl in front and the flat curl was open. And he's stepping in like he's going to throw the curl, which is what 98% of the quarterbacks do. And he just puts a little extra air under and it goes to Daniels for a touchdown. That's what I'm talking about, seeing things. The read is, if the curls, you throw it. And he just felt that guy coming open and and laid it out for him. Those are kind of things you don't teach. I mean, Ryan Dinwiddie says, you know, some of the stuff he does, I don't teach. 
And it can be frustrating sometimes for Ryan. And that's why I give him a lot of credit because he's given him a chance to develop at a pace, not asking him to do too much, not putting too much on his shoulders. I, I just think it's he's being handled well. So it's an exciting thing for people in Toronto. And it just, it frosts me when I look up and I, I see that there's so much room where people could go and watch this great player that they, you know, they just need to know, yeah, he's in the CFL. But I guarantee you there's not 32 quarterbacks in the world better than him. And there's guys playing the NFL right now. I think Nathan Rourke down there, you know, I was say. in two games in Jacksonville, in two games, he's totally play, outplayed C.J. Beathard. But C.J. Beathard's a vet. And you're going to have the vet. You want the vet there so when the things happen and that. But he's totally outplayed him. And he just needs his opportunity. And he'll get it. He'll get it. There, the, the rope with C.J. Beathard, if something happens to Trevor Lawrence, will be shorter because of what Nathan Rourke has done in the preseason. So, uh, again, he's showing – I think Nathan Rourke is showing what a year in the CFL – just developed him in, or he was here two years, really developed him into a quarterback that can compete very well on that level. Cause I guarantee you there are NFL teams watching him saying, shoot, he's better than our starter. And so, so, you know, I, I just think that sometimes Nathan Rourke came and went and a lot of people didn't get a chance to see him play. And like, that's what happens in the CFL. That's why Getting out to see these guys play, I think, is just vital. Hey, Jim, I did see Jim Kelly play a lot. I see so many similarities to uh, from Chad to Jim, except Chad's got way more athletic ability than his uncle Jim did when he played for the Bills. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't I, – again, I, I remember Jim Kelly as more of a bigger, strong-arm guy. Uh, I just didn't know enough about – Jim Kelly. I know John Jenkins coached him and coached Jim and, and thinks Chad has, as you know, to, to, to talk, to talk to what you're talking about, saw the field. He saw the field differently than a lot of those big drop back quarterbacks. And that's Chad's strength. Chad just, he sees things that other people don't see. And he did it all year last year in practice and I think people are seeing now, is he going to make the occasional rookie mistake? He absolutely is. He's made one a game for four games at least, where he's just like, what are you, where are you throwing it? That's going to happen to, to young guys. But he's also made a ton of those, like, how did he ever see that? And I go back to watch a film to see how he saw it. And, and it's, it's pretty mind blowing. So like I say, is he, is he a, I think he's very different than what Jim was, but Jim was also a very physical runner like Chad is. Yes. Um, and I think it's just that inner toughness that their family has. I know Chad's dad is Jim's brother and, you know, he's just the same kind of that, you know, that tough Buffalo type guy. And, you know, the fact that Chad's in Toronto being a Buffalo kid growing up in Buffalo uh, is just uh you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's uh, for, for Chad, it's perfect for Buffalo. It's perfect. Cause they can come up and see, like you say, is he, he's different than Jim, but he's still great. Like Jim was. Absolutely. There, there was something else I was going to ask you all. Oh, now I remember Jim, I should have wrote it down. Um, you've been in the game a long time. 
do you feel when a, a young quarterback's with a team or a first year in a new league, do you feel it's beneficial for them to be the backup to learn from that to a veteran starter in terms of developing no the future? Okay. No question. And I think in hindsight on Chad Kelly, even I think him getting a chance to sit for a year behind McLeod and learn and see the things, the ups and the downs of what being a starting quarterback in professional football is like. I think it'll be fantastic for Nathan Rourke to be able to be behind Trevor Lawrence and uh, and their backup right now, um, Bethard, just to watch the mental part of, of how you deal with different things. And uh, I, I, I do think that's really important. I know that... Uh, when Doug Flutie came in the league, he, uh, he said he felt he had, he needed some time to learn a lot of the, the little things. And, you know, I look at Zach Caleros and Trevor Harris in our league now, who we had as rookies and they came in and battled to be the third and they learned from Ricky Ray and Jarius Jackson were the one and two quarterbacks. And then they became the two and the three, though they moved up when Jarius retired and learned from Ricky. And Ricky isn't going to sit there and lecture them or say, this is what I'm doing. He's he just not. That's not Ricky. But they can watch how he handles situations, how he throws an interception. And then he comes back out and he's got the same tenaciousness. If you don't have that in this league. And it was one of the things I saw last week. Chad Kelly threw a pick six right before the half. And there was like a minute left and he comes right out and throws a deep corner route. And that's where I give uh, Ryan Dinwiddie a ton of credit because not a lot of coaches are going to do that. A lot of coaches are going to say, I got a first year guy. So we're going to just sit on the lead, go in and we'll regroup at halftime. He didn't. He said, I'm going to let this kid play. And he, you know, he threw the corner out and then two plays later they're in the end zone and they've answered the, the, the thing. So uh, again, so much with a quarterback coming in the league is, yeah, if he has time, that's great. The coach and the coaching staff that he's paired up with is so vital. If you're with the right people, like I think Nathan Rourke with Doug Peterson is with the right guy for him. Yes. Doug Peterson was a quarterback. He was a backup quarterback for most of his career but was a cerebral guy, a lot like Nathan is. Now, Nathan's got some athletic tools that Doug Peterson never had. Um, But being able to play in the right system with the right coach who kind of gets you and allows you to grow. So often, a quarterback comes in and then he's put into a cookie cutter of this is what our quarterback has to do, and he can't do it. And I think you're seeing that with some of the young quarterbacks in this league. Um, there's some that have come in and they're getting a chance to show who they are. Dustin Crum in Ottawa. Absolutely. I think it's a really interesting guy that is is developing into, you know, one of the guys who's down the road is going to be a, a quarterback. What What is Drew Brown? Is he a guy who's going to be a, a starter in this league? So backups are getting a chance to play. They're getting a chance to learn. And again, I think that's an important thing. I think to put any guy into a league uh, and play him right away is really a tough situation. And even though Chad physically was probably ready to play last year, he needed that year. He needed that year to sit and watch and learn. 
Would you say that would be the same for Cameron Dukes and By By Byron Scott? They're both young guys with the Argonauts, and how important they can learn from Chad Kelly this season. Well, there's no doubt that uh, both of those guys, Cameron Dukes is different. Well, they're both from small colleges. Brian Scott played at Occidental College in L.A., but then he went and played spring league and played in the USFL. He was like the third guy taking the USFL draft. So he's been around a little bit uh, in some of these peripheral leagues uh, where Cameron Dukes, he went straight from Edward Lindsay to, to arena football and did some neat things. Now Dukes is younger. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, because I didn't think he played very well in there in the first game uh, against Calgary when he had a chance to come in and, and uh, he just didn't, wasn't, I mean, he did some decent things, but wasn't able to get them any scores and things like that. I'm anxious to watch Brian Scott and see, is he going to be a guy who can do it? Uh, again, those guys are, they're, they're, they're learning. They're going to get their chance. Eventually they're going to get their chance. The key is, can they stay motivated to learn? Can they sit there every day and say, okay, I'm preparing just like I'm going to play. I'm preparing the exact same way I would prepare if I was the starter. Can they do that when they're sitting at, as a third team quarterback? And, you know, Brian Scott, for example, right now sitting at third team quarterback, or does he get discouraged because Dukes goes in, he doesn't get any snaps and say, I'm, I'm so far away from playing and not focus. Then he gets in the game and he's not ready. He's not, mentally prepared that's the difference between guys who make it and guys who don't and you don't know until they get a chance to play so again i think them getting a chance to sit in pro football and especially guys coming from the u.s to the canadian game uh i think them seeing it trey ford he he's only played the canadian game so he knows the nuances and the you know the how the field can work for you. He's learned that through his time at Waterloo and um, growing up in Canada. So um, he, he doesn't have to learn some of the things that these other guys do, but he's got to learn how to become a pro and what it takes to be a professional quarterback, which is much different than being a, a U sports quarterback where they're only playing eight games a year. And, uh, and the playoffs are just, it's a totally different thing when you're playing an 18 game schedule and two exhibition games and you're playing with professional athletes who are trying to feed their families. And the pressure is much greater than it is when you're at Waterloo. And if, you know, if you don't win, you know, you're, you just, you go to school the next, the next day and you're, you know, it's, that's the way it goes here. You don't win. And they're looking at, okay, are you the problem? Do we need to replace you with somebody better? Uh, that type of thing. That's a whole different pressure. And Chad Kelly, the pressure of being a starter, I think Dane Evans felt that last year. He went from being a backup to being a starter. Yeah. I think Jake Mayer this year and Chad Kelly are guys who went from being backups to being starters. And Jake Mayer last year played pretty well. But you got to remember, Bo Levi was there. So he's replacing Bo Levi. It's way different when you're replacing a guy. So um, this year he looks around and there's nobody there. It's him or the team's going to lose. Well, that kind of pressure is a lot different 
that when you're there as a backup and you got, you know, I, okay, I'm stepping in, I'm doing this. And the pressure's nowhere near what it is when you look around and that whole team is on your shoulders. And I think Absolutely. we're seeing that with Jake. I think he's, he's struggling a bit and, and, you know, his ability to fight through that, which again, Dane, the people in Hamilton felt he didn't. And that's why they allowed, let him go. Um, they didn't know whether he was going to be able to be that starting guy. That's kind of what Jake's going through now. And, uh, and, you know, Chad Kelly was a backup, big difference. This year he comes in, he looks around, he's the guy, he's got two guys who have never even played. So there's a kind of pressure with that yet. You know, Chad has answered the call very well. One thing, Jim, uh, we know about the NFL rules. Do you find that Canadian Football League is doing enough to protect the starting quarterbacks? Because I think, what, over four or five of them have been out with injuries. I know Kelly was only out for half a game, but I just wanted your thoughts on that. Well, again, I, I don't know what you can do to protect them. I think that there's a problem with offensive linemen in this league. Um, I think the one thing that the USFL and the uh, XFL have done is strip the league of offensive linemen. Uh, the probably the biggest mismatches in our game are on the offensive and defensive line. Defensive linemen are the highest paid guys in the league. Um, you got guys guys making a lot of money, Russian guys that you know just can't handle it. Uh, if you're going to sit back in the pocket and protect with six all the time and Quarterback's going to take hits. He's going to take shots. That's part of, of if that's what you choose to do. If you remember back in 20, 25 years ago, I mean, even when Joe Montana was playing, everybody was always under center. There was always tire formations. They always, they, there was a run the ball mentality. And even in this league, there was a lot more. When I came in the league, shoot, I was with, uh, Montreal, we had Mike Pringle and Mike Souls. It was a two-back offense, and, you know, you ran the ball first. Um, the league has now become a pass-first league, and you're going to have that problem if you're going to choose to be a pass-first team. You look at the top teams in this league, Winnipeg is a run. They, if they had their choice, they would run the ball all the time. They are a run-first team. You look at, at the Toronto Argonauts, I think that they could be a run-first team if they wanted to be. Um, I think that they they lean toward that toward the beginning of the season. I think one of the problems with teams in this league is they've become so pass-oriented and they can't, you know, you just can't protect the guy. So I don't know that the league can do anything. I mean, they're talking about changing the ratio so you can play more Americans. But the problem is there's not a lot of Americans out there. I mean, I was, like I say, in the front office last year and went and did all the scouting and that tech type of thing. There's there's just that league has saturated offensive linemen and taken taken a lot of the good ones away from the Canadian Football League. And, you know, those two leagues are much more conducive to play and then boom, go to the NFL than the CFL. The CFL is probably a better league for a quarterback who maybe has had his shot down there because this is a life, this is a life league to me. This is a, yeah, some guys are going to move, but for the most part, 
you can come up here and you can play six to 10 years and really create a good life for yourself. And I don't think people look at the USFL and the XFL as playing more than a year. I'm going to play one year. And if I can make a grade and if I can't make it, then I'm moving on. I don't think anybody ever looks who comes up to the CFL ever looks at it that, that way. The good ones may get a chance to get tryouts or, or go down there. But I think people look at the C down, even down South, look at the CFL as, as a, a career league where they look at the XFL and the USFL as a feeder league as a developmental league. And I, I just thank God that the CFL never went down that path. And I've never heard developmental league in connection with the CFL. And we need to keep it that way because there's nothing developmental about the CFL. It's the greatest three down football in the world. And there are guys down in the U S that can't play here because they don't move well enough. It's a spatial game yard off the ball. Everything happens in space. You have to be more athletic. The, the holes are bigger, you know, so that it just it's harder to defense the field than it is in the NFL. The NFL is a more physical uh, game. There's no doubt about that. They're right there. And, um, you know, the size and athleticism of these big guys is is huge. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I don't know what, what the league can do, even changing the ratio, because – I just think that uh, there's a there's just a dirt. There's just not a, enough offensive linemen uh, to go around. Also, I wanted to talk to you about expansion. I've been hearing Halifax since 1984. It's going on 40 years. And uh, I, since I got you on here, Jim, why did the CFL fail in the states back in the mid 90s? Do you think that was a you think that was a huge mistake going there, or do you think it was worth the gamble? Again, I was not in the league then. I, I actually came up in 94 okay. uh, in Saskatchewan as a guest coach, but I was only there during training camp. And that was the first year of expansion. Uh, I think a couple things. One is I think they found it to be a tough sell in the U.S., but I don't think they gave it a chance because now that we're starting our season when we started, I mean, again, would, will people come out and support a Canadian football league team in major cities down there? I'm not so sure of that. Uh, again, I think the, the difference in the dollar is a huge deal. I think the, the ratio. Now, the BC Lions won in 1995 playing with the ratio against, um, I believe it was Baltimore, who had no ratio. Uh, but I think the ratio is is a bit of an issue. One that I've heard that I think would be really interesting is Detroit, Windsor, is to create a Detroit, Windsor type of expansion team. And while I know that Hamilton and Toronto and Ottawa are all in Ontario already, what's interesting about that one is they're just across the river from each other. And they were talking about having a stadium that could they could play games in both Windsor and in Detroit. Um, you know, I think that would be a great key into the U.S. Because what the U.S. brings is a ton of fans, and obviously fans means money and things along those lines. Um, but again, the, the expansion idea, I just think is – 
And you don't want to water it down. You don't want to get to a point where you become the USFL um, or the XFL. And right now is just just a poor time to do that. Um, with those two leagues, I think one of them will drop within two years. I just don't think they can they can hold up. I was in the first XFL. I was part of that, and and it was a great league. I enjoyed it. It was fun. There was some new ideas. I think they did a lot of things right. I think their their contracts genius. I think the way they handled cost certainty on clubs genius. I, I thought a lot of the things they did were very very smart. And unfortunately, the league only lasted a year, and and they folded it. But um, I felt that league was on the ver. It, because it was its own league and not developmental, but it was developing players. We had Tommy Maddox who went on and had a great career with the Steelers after he played for us. And um, so there were some players, some name players that were being developed in that league. So that was, I, I think they had had a chance, but Vince was very adamant about not allowing uh, the, the XFL to affect ratings in wrestling and that's what was happening with some of those stations were showing our games and they wanted a certain amount that was going to be drawn from wwe yeah and he didn't want anything to do with that as soon as that that talk started he says we're just dropping the xfl and he you know he lost 120 million he did it the right way did most everything the right way um but that was you know that was one of the things that just that it didn't work. So I would hate to see us get tied up into something like that. The Canadian football league, I think can, can, you know, it is what it is, but it, it's just such a great game that, that I wish they would have been able to hold it back there in the 95, four and five seasons and give it a few years of playing when we're playing now, which is we start our games in June. And there's nothing down there until August when they start preseason and then they don't start regular season until September. So that gives you June, July, three months to get going and develop some kind of a following. And yeah, when if you're in Birmingham, you're going to lose a ton of people who are going to go to Alabama games. If you're in, you know, wherever you're there, that it's just college and pro football down there is the biggest thing. There's there's nothing bigger than college and pro football down in the states and and uh, again can the CFL fit in that I just it's it's a bit of a stretch. All right, uh, Jimmy, you got time for a few more questions? Sure. Okay, uh, this one I wanted to ask you uh, as well. Um, just thoughts on being a part of the 2022 Toronto Argonauts as a senior advisor and how did that came about? And when did you feel last year that this Argonaut team was capable of getting to the Grey Cup and possibly winning it, upsetting, obviously, Winnipeg? Uh, well, it happened. Pinball called me after the season in December and asked me if I wanted to come on. He felt like Vince, who I had hired, Vince Magri and Alex Russell were both young and that I could come in. And and Pinball's got a lot of things going on so that I could come in and kind of advise him in terms of, you know, um, different things. And, you know, it was it was good. It was fine. I enjoyed it. it uh, they're great guys to work with. Uh, 
I had to leave TSN to do it. And I, you know, after that, the first year with TSN, I really enjoyed that, but I just felt like this was, could be a good opportunity. Um, so uh, again, uh, going back with a team and because it was the Argonauts, which again has been a big part of my life uh, since I've been in Canada was, was important in terms of, uh, of when I thought we could win it. There was never a point I felt like, wow, we've really got a dynamite. I never really felt that. Uh, you know, when we were playing in the Eastern final, we, about halftime of that game, we're playing really well. And I thought, wow, we got a chance to go to the Great Cup. And that that was kind of the first time. I mean, it was just, it was a team that was a solid team, but we just couldn't quite get over that hump. I mean, we were, I think we had, what, what was our record last year, Chris? You would know. I believe uh, the Argos were 11 and 7. Yeah, 11, 11 and, and 7. Yeah. So, you know, there was, there was a, a more good things than bad things. But again, never that feeling of, wow, we, we're going to win this thing. Um, in 97, when I was with the Argos from day one, it was like, no, you know, if we lose, it's because of us. Um, we were just that much better. We had Doug Flutie. And uh, I never had that feeling with this team. And, and again, it was just, that was just, that was never the thing. And it seemed like, you know, we, we, I thought we were doing a good job with keeping the depth of the team strong and building, you know, I, I, at the end of the season, after we had won the gray cup, be it looking at the team and how can we improve? And, you know, I think, I think this year they're much better. They got younger and faster on defense, which was not priority number one. And when you look at who's playing for them now, they're younger and faster and, that's what you have to do every year. And you have to let go of some good guys or have some good guys who aren't playing anymore. And that's part of growing your team. So I think they're much better on defense this year. And then, like I say, Chad developing like he developed um, and how he's responded. Again, you lose Chad Kelly and they go, they're, they're every other team in the, in, in the league. There's, they're not a, because you got quarterback, you don't know what he's going to do. So, but as long as they have, but you can say that about every team. The same thing with Winnipeg. You know, with Zach's there, you know they they know they're going to have a great chance to win. Um, when he's not there, which Drew Brown do you get? The one that that came in in relief against Edmonton and brought him back to a win, or the one that barely was able to win last week and against Calgary team that just didn't play very well. So, and Drew didn't play very well. I think he would even admit. So again, you, you, that's what happens when you have young quarterbacks. So again, this year's team is just so strong as long as Chad can stay healthy and they can keep him healthy. Uh, and I think that will influence a lot of the things that that way they run their offense from here on, here on out is, trying to make sure that he stays upright because he's going to play the way he plays reckless, but as long as he's healthy, they'll, they'll be a, a, a well, they're the favorites now to win the Grey Cup. And I told people before the season um, that if you're going to bet on a team, bet on the Argonauts because nobody knows who Chad Kelly is now by week three, they're all going to know and the odds are going way down. And sure enough, they have. 
Do you see a possible Grey Cup rematch with Winnipeg in in Toronto this year? Put you on the spot here. Wow, that's a. You know what? I, I'm I'm going to defer on that one because okay. I think the BC Lions that game they're going to play in BC with Winnipeg. I think it's going to be a raucous crowd. It might Amar Dolman might bring in the Rolling Stones to get that place sold out. He might he'll do anything to get that place sold out and make it very very difficult for Winnipeg. If BC can win the division and have one game in Vancouver to go to the Grey Cup, I think they can I think they can do that. I think they're they're talent very very talented team. Uh you know, I, I, their, their, their line scares me a bit. Their, uh, their offensive line, their defensive line is smaller, but their defense is so fast. And Ryan Phillips has done a good job of moving people around, and their secondary is, is good. They're a solid football team. So I can't wait. I, I think it's September twentieth or in that range. I cannot wait to watch the BC Lions at home against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in September, which I think will decide who the winner of the the uh, West Division is. And at that point, whoever wins the West Division, I'm going to say is going to be the have the have the lead in to going to the Grey Cup. Okay, and Jim, we'll wrap this up. We got four more games this week. Which game this week are you looking forward to the most? Obviously, they're going to be great games, but is there one game specific? Chris, specifically? Chris, 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 you know me. Every game I'm fired up for. Four. I mean, we've got we, – we open with Winnipeg, okay, playing Montreal. What What is Montreal? Six and are three. Six, six and three. Team? Yeah. I know, that, I know what their record is. Are they a, a strong second-place team, or are they a team that hasn't played the good teams yet? We're going to find that out in Winnipeg. How great a game is that? Then Calgary, that one team that's beat Toronto, comes in for the CNE game. Now, how can you not be fired up about the CNE game? I mean, that, then on you have Hamilton going out to Vancouver. Okay, can they get off the schneid? And, and BC, could they lose two in a row? I think that's a tough one for Hamilton, you know, and then you've got, you know, you've got Ottawa and uh, Edmonton Sunday uh, night and Edmonton. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Can Edmonton break the longest streak in North America, home losing streak in pro sports? They got a great shot against Ottawa. They got a great shot. So how can you not be fired up about every game, man? I agree. And I like this. I can't I don't... pick one. I have some friends that don't like this uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I'm a football fan and a CFL fan. And I like having a game Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night. I think it's tr- tremendous what the league and, and TSN yeah. have done with, with this uh, scheduling. And it's done, it's done great for the ratings. Uh, I think the ratings have, have been fantastic on it. The Sunday night games have been spectacular. I mean, I don't know that we've had a bad Sunday night game. And, you know, this time of the year – Sunday night comes around and, you know, people are tuning in. And we had, I think our, our, our radio was 750 or something last week for our, this uh, two days ago for that BC Saskatchewan game, which was just a phenomenal football game. So again, how can you, when you, when you, when you know the league to try to pick one game a week is really tough. tough. It's really tough. 
though, I'm not going to pick one game. We just went through all four of them. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, before we wrap this up, long term, will the do you see Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment doing enough to get the Argonauts back to get more fans at BMO Field? I was at the East Final last year with Montreal, twenty one thousand people there, and it was as loud as I ever heard it there. Yeah. Do you do you do you think? The, the, the Argonauts have the ownership group to get the, the franchise back on the map. Well, they definitely do. In 2012, when we won the 100, we were on the verge of turning the corner and you could come out of the closet. You didn't have to be in the closet to be an Argo fan. You could be proud to be an Argo fan. And then our owner at the time uh, fired the whole front office and basically started over with new people in the front office. And, so we were on the verge then. If they can, can if if they can keep Chad Kelly, and they can continue to winning, they have to win in order to have a chance to draw people. Um, sure, I think I think there's a chance that people will start coming out, and the more the more talk that that Chad gets, they'll come out this year. And you're right; it's there's no better entertainment for your dollar than going out to BMO Field. And watching the Argos play, it's a everybody who goes. I took a group of Ukrainian people who didn't had never seen a football game, never seen one, and they had an absolute blast just because of everything going on. And it, it's it's something you have to go and experience. And they will MLSC will find a way to get people, especially if they keep winning. You don't if you're not winning. People in Toronto are not coming out. And that goes for the Blue Jays. That goes for the Raptors. You know, you need to – Maple Leafs probably don't need to win, but um, <laughs> everybody else pretty much needs to win or people aren't going to come out. Absolutely. And I'm a first-time season ticket holder this year, and I absolutely love it. I get to go to the games as a season ticket holder fan, and also I get to cover the team as a media member. And uh, one thing, too, Jim, before I wrap this up, one thing being a fan, but when you do media work, you see you see behind the scenes of the coaches and the players that the, the normal fans don't get to see either. So I'm getting another perspective of these athletes and the coaching and management side of it, side of it as well. Yeah, that's good. And that's what you want to keep doing. You try to be around as much of it as you can. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I like about media, there's always something new to learn every single day and to work upon and never, ever get complacent. It doesn't matter if you're an athlete or you're in broadcasting or media, never, ever get complacent. You're right there. All right. Well, well, Jim, I want to say Thank you so much for coming on my 311th episode today. And uh, you have an open invite to come back on my show again in the future, if you in the future, if you'd like to as well. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun and best of luck to you on your endeavor. Thank you so much, Jim. And I'll send you a, a copy of the audio version and the video version. And I'll let you know when our show airs on WQEE 99.1 FM. My show is done remotely from here. So I will let you know. But Jim, thank you so much. Keep up the great work with TSN and uh, looking forward to the games this week. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jim. 
All right, guys, that was season six, episode 36 with Jim Barker, uh, former head coach, uh, GM, senior advisor in the CFL, five-time uh, Grey Cup champion, uh, three times with the Argonauts, once with Calgary, once with Montreal as well. And uh, I want to say thank you to Jim for coming on here today as well. Before we wrap up this show, guys, I'm going to play a little clip of a post-game interview with Bo Bichette of uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who was down in Buffalo last week uh, rehabbing, and I was there for his game uh, Thursday night against the Rochester Red Wings. And this is courtesy of my YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe notification. Is this the last we see of you? Yeah. Well, hopefully. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you're flying on a Cincy tonight then? Tomorrow. Tomorrow morning? All right. You didn't have a lot of uh, chances at shortstop defensively. Um, do you have any concerns about like lateral mobility or anything like that? Um, I mean, I only got one ground ball, but like I said, I had to jump one. I had to move around for a couple others that I didn't have to make the play on. So, no, I don't have any. So you were tested early in the first inning. There was that one little looper into left that you kind of considered going for, and you kind of broke a little bit, and you realized you didn't have a chance. Was that real good to – just kind of get things going and just get it out of the way so that you know you knew everything else was going to go pretty pretty well. Yeah, it had uh, yeah, that was good. And then um, there was a ground ball that Aurelius made a good play um, on that one too. I went at it like I was going to have to make the play. So the home run uh, was that like just the icing on the cake kind of thing, or <laughs> um, or would you prefer to have let something out? <laughs> no, I think uh, no, I think. It, not that I'm necessarily worried about results at any point, but I don't care what field I'm on. I'm going to get hit, so uh, yeah, it's all good. Although all the hits in your two days here, opposite field hits, was that some? Obviously, you're a guy who uses all field, but was that maybe you know something timing wise that you're feeling good that you could use opposite fields or all fields here? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just kind of the hitter that I am. I don't think I, it was like an emphasis or anything that. Uh, tend to be in a good place when I'm hitting the ball hard to the opposite field. So, uh, yeah, I think it was good. You mentioned yesterday, obviously, getting the juices flowing, getting back up there and excited to get back in in the middle of this playoff race. Obviously, no one wants to be hurt at this time of year. So how exciting is it going to be to rejoin your teammates in Toronto tomorrow? Yeah, cool. It'll be cool um, to see them soon and um, get after it. You know, it's an important stretch and a lot of important games. Adrenaline will be going. And, that's what uh, I mean when you're a kid, you grow up hoping to be in those situations. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be part of it. I'm sure it was excruciating for you the last few weeks not being able to play. As you kind of look back and reflect on your time coming back, is there anything positive that you can take from that time? Yeah, I mean, you never want to be, you never want to be hurt. But um, when you do get in a situation like this, you got to take advantage of it in the most ways you can. So uh, for me about just getting in better shape, um, I mean, really just setting myself up for the best possible finish that I can have and to help the team win. So, I mean, I think that's positive. Um, take advantage of the time off, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't always easy watching the games. You know, it's it's real hard watching the games. You want to be out there as a competitor, but uh, yeah, I think there's definitely positive. To take from it. And obviously you were only here for a couple of days, but there's a lot of good young talent on this Bison's team. Um, what was kind of your impression of the Bison's last couple of days? 
Yeah, a lot of good players. Um, and I, I get excited to watch them play, to be honest. Um, you know, it's uh, I try to remember what it was like being here and knowing that they're kind of, you know, fighting for their dream. Um, so I try not to take that lightly. I try to go out there and I try to help them win and um, play as hard as I can. So, uh, yeah, and a lot of guys have a lot of good at-bats, a lot of talent. Um, they care. They play hard, which is, uh, to be honest, kind of good for me to see, you know, you remember what it's like and see people fighting for life. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I want to get back, but I enjoy being here. And you may see some of the companies, guys, in a couple weeks anyway. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, hopefully a lot of them get a chance. Well, question for you. Uh, what's it been like having Don Mattingly with the Blue Jays this year? Yeah, it's been awesome. He's, uh, you know, obviously has all the knowledge in the world, all the experience. To be able to learn from someone like him is uh, special for all of us. You know, it's not a whole lot of ball players get to be around somebody like that. So uh, he's definitely brought a lot. Um, when he says things, he says it with conviction, which is helpful for us as ball players. And uh, yeah, I've learned a lot from him. Thank you so much, Paul. Oh, um, question. So, well, you had a really good performance today, especially yesterday, and now tomorrow you're going to be going to that place, Cincinnati. How confident do you feel now moving back up to the major leagues to be able to face a team like Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm in a good place. Um, the difference for me will just be dealing with the, like I said yesterday, the, the human nature of anxieties and pressures and for me personally I don't have that here you know it's more about just getting back and I'm not worried about the results but there's times you can get into those moments when you you know get into the big leagues and things matter a little more so I'll have to adjust to that for sure but in, you know in terms of my swing and everything like that I, I feel uh, I feel ready. All right guys that clip was courtesy of my uh, YouTube channel YouTube channel, and that was Bo Bichette, who's now back with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I want to say thank you to the Buffalo Bisons organization, Brad uh, Bisbing, the assistant GM, and Pat Malacaro for having me come down there this weekend to cover a couple of the Bisons games against the Rochester Red Wings. I got to interview uh, Matt LaCroix, the former Twins player, who's now the manager for Rochester. And I got to interview uh, Buffalo Bisons prospect uh, uh, Cameron Eden and Hayden Yangling. Uh, a reliever as well, and uh, it was a great time. If you've never gone down to a game down there, uh, check out buffalobisons.com, Salin Field, beautiful ballpark in downtown Buffalo, and the Bisons this week are on the road for the next six games at the Syracuse Mets as well. I also want to do a shout-out to Wayne McFarlane, uh, who's the uh, founder and editor and writer for the Digital Briefing Magazine. I want to say thank you to Wayne McFarlane, for having my uh, podcast radio show in his magazine as well. So check out digitalbriefingmagazine.com. And again, a shout out to Wayne McFarlane as well. Next live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet, to be announced on Thursday. And speaking of that, uh, the next Argo Bounce live audio show with my co-host Nick Small and myself will be this Thursday at 7 p.m. as Nick and I will just break down, not break down, but we'll preview the game against the Calgary Stampeders and what are three keys to an Argo win over Calgary and uh, also talk a little bit about the CNE that's going on until September 4th. So I hope everyone can tune into the Argo Bounce Live audio show Thursday at 7 p.m. with Nick and myself. 
should be a great show. And I will announce my next live with CDP Sports Talk, which I have a couple of shows booked for next week. Just got to confirm dates and times with my guests as well. Uh, also guys, uh, let's see. I want to say thank you to Jim Barker, uh, for coming on today live with CDP sports talk and, and also, uh, live with CDP is a weekly sports and entertainment talk show, radio show hosted by yours. Truly Chris Pame is a, is on weeknights at 8 p.m. Eastern on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, the home of Southern sports and talk, the heartbeat of Atlanta. And a shout out to the station manager, Ryan O'Neill, there as well. Our radio station website is wqeefm.radio12345.com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk is live streamed on these platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, slash X, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And I want to say thank you to everybody for watching this uh, broadcast today, live streamed as well. You guys can also check out my website at beacons.ai slash Chris D. Palme as well. And also, guys, I've joined the Cameo family. So if you'd like a personalized video uh, message from yours truly, uh, just type in Chris Palme on cameo.com and uh, book a request and I will do my best uh, to give you a great video shout out. And the the money I make off Cameo uh, will go into my uh, radio and podcast show as well. So again, check Chris Palme out on cameo.com and consider booking me for a video shout out as well. And I'm happy to be a part of the Cameo family as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk, again, is sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles as well. Also, guys, Summer Adventures event going on at Barry Cullen Chevrolet here in Guelph. 4.99% financing for up to 48 months on the 2023 uh, Blazer RS and uh, more details at barrycollin.com or visit the dealership again at 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall as well. Also, I am on TikTok. If you guys want to follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP on TikTok, I post a lot of my coaches, managers, players, and social events on my TikTok page again. So I live with CDP on TikTok. And I want to say thank you to my 1,487 followers. And I'm hoping to get to 1,500 at some point as well. StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk. If you're into webinars or podcasting such as myself, check out StreamYard.com as well. Live with CDP Sports Talk, the audio version is downloaded to iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify for Podcasters, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Pandora now instead of Stitcher. That's Pandora and tuned in. And again, weeknights at 8 o'clock on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM in Metro Atlanta. Also, guys, you can email or text live with CDP at cpame19 at gmail.com or you can text me at 519-820-7188. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, I would love to hear your feedback as well. And that's about it, guys. Uh, that wraps up Season 6, Episode 36. 
overall 311. Again, I want to say thank you to Jim Barker, um, the CFL and TSN in-studio analyst, and he's been involved with the CFL since 1996 uh, for coming on here today as well. And uh, looking forward to the Argo Bounce live audio show uh, this Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern with Nick Small. And uh, we're going to talk Argo football and their matchup against Calgary and some CNE stuff as Nick has been down at the Canadian national exhibition as well. And also a uh, small talk podcast, hopefully this Sunday, I have to get more details and I will make that announcement soon as well. And live with CDP sports talk. We'll be back next week. I have at least two or three more episodes booked as well, but I want to say thank you to Jim Barker. Thank you to everyone watching this live stream and also on my audio platforms and on WQEE 99.1 FM. And again, live with CDP Sports Talk is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet here in Guelph. I hope everybody has a great evening and uh, we'll see you guys Thursday night for some Argo Bounce live audio podcast show with Nick Small. Good evening, everybody, and thanks again.